Okay. All right, let's prepare our hearts now for the study of the Word this hour by going before the throne of grace. Give you a couple of seconds or maybe a couple of moments to confess any, unknown, any sins, known sins that you have to the Lord so we can be in fellowship as we study and therefore profit from the study of the Word. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we so appreciate your grace, your most gracious gift to us, and that be the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for our sins that made it possible for us to call you Father. We trusted him for our eternal salvation. We know we have eternal life and we can enjoy it now and forever. We thank you for this time we have together this evening to delve into your word, use it to further the preparation for doing the work that you have given us to do, and that, namely, making disciples. We ask your blessing on our time together in the Word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in uh, Romans 1, I want to read a bit of that, maybe the first 17 verses, uh, because... Well, you can't take part of it out. So Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, making request if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established, that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And what is the gospel? What well, we have in 1 Corinthians 15, Starting in verse 1, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, 
by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, and that's believed in vain about the resurrection. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred at one time, and most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was for I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So we spent a little time at the beginning of each Bible study discussing the gospel because it is the key to our salvation. We reduce it to ten simple words. Frequently, Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. Uh, that captures uh, the essence of what I read in, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 through 5. And uh, so, with that in mind, now we'll shift gears. And uh, uh, I'm going to ask you to put on your seatbelts because uh, we, have, we have a lot of ground to cover. I think I have, I think I have 43 slides in my slide presentation and by the clock, uh, we have 43 minutes. So that gives me one minute per slide. Uh, and you know how that's going to turn out. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll do the best we can. But it is, what I have here is, is, all, is all, I believe, uh, crucial. What are we talking about this evening? Deuteronomy. We're shifting back to Deuteronomy. And uh, we're going to spend... This evening in Deuteronomy, and then on Sunday, uh, it is part of that series, but it's going to be another gear shift. So, uh, why study Deuteronomy? Uh, well, there, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. There's a good enough reason. That's all the reason we need. It's all good stuff. Uh, at the time Paul wrote these words to Timothy, the Old Testament, of which we are looking at a part now, was what the Scripture consisted of. Why this? Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy is quoted or cited 95 times in the New Testament. Quoted 10 times by Jesus. Uh, the next, that's the next most quoted Bible book of the Old Testament that Jesus made. It was one more book of Psalms he quoted 11 times. Boom. So Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is called the heart of the Old Testament. What's that even mean? What's a heart? Uh, it is used to refer to the character, the place within a person where feelings or emotions are considered to come from, the central to the most important part. The Old Testament's a collection of 39 books. That's in the Christian Old Testament that tell God's story. It's the story of his love, 
for his people, not only the chosen people of Israel, but all people worldwide. And that's a quote from the introduction to the Old Testament survey of many years ago. So, why study Deuteronomy? As we said, it's the heart of the Old Testament. Jesus quoted it ten times. The only other book he quoted more was uh, the book of Psalms. We have 2 Timothy 3.16, which we talked about, and now we move on. So, the arrangement of Hebrew Scripture. We get our Old Testament from the Masoretic text of the Hebrew Scripture, uh, and the book order is different, and so we'll take a little bit of a look at how the Hebrew is arranged. Um, we have the, uh, the Tanakh. That is how the, uh, uh, the Jews refer to the Old Testament or the, the, their scriptures. They don't refer to Old Testament, New Testament. They have the scriptures, and it's the Tanakh, and that's an acronym. Uh, it stands for... It stands for three different sections of the book. First is the Torah, Torah, which uh, we sometimes call the law. It's more appropriately called instruction. Uh, the Nevi'im, uh, the 12, that is the, the, the prophets. So there are 12 books uh, in, the, in the Jewish test, in the Jewish uh, scriptures, um, you have the former prophets, which are Joshua, Judges, First uh, and Second Samuel, one book, and First and Second Kings, one book. And then you have the four latter prophets, which are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then the minor prophets, there's 12 of them, which are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And the Jews count that as one book. And so there's a total of 24 in the, uh, uh, in the Jewish scriptures compared to uh, 39 in ours. So we have the Torah and the Nevi'im. And then we have the Ketuvim, which are the, uh, uh, the poetry. Okay, so you have the Psalms, Job, Proverbs, Ruth. Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, Esther, Daniel. Daniel is, we treat Daniel as a prophetic book, but it's listed in, uh, in the Ketuvim, the writings by the, by the Jews. Uh, and then you have Ezra, Nehemiah, one book. And then First and Second Chronicles, one book. And you add all those up and you get the, uh, you get the 24. And the Christian Old Testament, as we said, you've got 39 books uh, starting Genesis ending in Malachi. So the order is different, but the words are the same because we get our testament from their scriptures. So the historical setting. Um, four areas here we'll look at. Uh, the first area is, cre is creation to Abraham, and that's Genesis 1 through 11. Now there's a lot of stuff going on there. About uh, pretty close to... 2,000 years of history, you have creation, you have the fall, you have the flood, you have the Tower of Babel. So roughly 4108 to 2160 B.C. is, uh, is that section. Then we have Abraham to captivity. Uh, that is the rest of 
Genesis chapter 12 through chapter 50 and covers the time frame of 2160 to about 1853 B.C., Jacob's death. And then we have captivity to the Exodus. So captivity to the Exodus then is, is the book of Exodus, chapters 1 through 14. Israel was in Egypt for 430 years. Uh, so that would be 1876, Jacob enters Egypt, and then 1446, Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then the last section of historical setting is Exodus to the plains of Moab, and uh, that covers is covered in Numbers, excuse me, excuse me, Exodus 15 through Numbers 36, and it's roughly 40 years period of time. Uh, so uh, 1446 to 1406, roughly 2,702 years after the creation event, we arrive at the plains of Moab. So who's the author? Well, most conservative Bible-believing Christians attribute Deuteronomy, along with the other books of the Pentateuch, to, uh, to Moses. Um, the book itself does claim to be the, Mos- the, the words of Moses in uh, numerous places. Uh, and in his writings, other Old Testament books also assert the Mosaic authorship of Deuteronomy. Uh, included would be 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 3 and chapter 8 and verse 53 and 2 Kings 14.6 and 18.6 and verse 12. Jesus believed that Moses wrote Deuteronomy and he said as much in uh, several instances in the New Testament scriptures. Mark 19, 7 and 8, Mark 10, 3 through 5, Mark 12, 19, John 5, 46 and 47. And the Apostle Peter also attributed Deuteronomy to Moses in Acts 3, 22. Stephen in Acts 7, 37 to 38. Paul in Romans 10, 19 and 1 Corinthians 9, 9. And the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 10, 28. So we'll settle on, I think we'll agree that, uh, we'll stipulate that Moses did it. When was it written? So the date of writing, there we go. The date of writing is approximately 1406 B.C. So uh, Deuteronomy 1.3 Deuteronomy reads, uh, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had commanded him to give them. And thus that establishes the only specific date associated with the book to be the end of the 40th year following the Exodus. The Exodus was in 1446. That puts us to 1406. Um, We can arrive at this date by looking back from events that occurred after Exodus, if that wasn't uh, good enough. So 1 Kings 6.1 reads, 
Now it came about in the 480th year after the sons of Israel came out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziv, which is the second month that he began to build the house of Israel. So Solomon's reign was 971 to 931 B.C. So the fourth year would be about 966. And if we add 480 years to that, well, the arithmetic comes out 1446 B.C. as the year of the Exodus. So that pretty much establishes that good enough for me. So the place, where was it written? It was written in Arabah, uh, opposite Suf, Paran, and Tophel, and Laban, and Hazareth, and Dishab. That is on the plains of Moab. Moab, not Moab. Don't you laugh at me. So how about an outline? Um, the initials SVT in the, in the title block there stand for Suzerain Vassal Treaty. And we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit, but I don't have time to go into great detail on it. Uh, in that order, it would be like this. There would be a preamble, and uh, the preamble gives the covenant mediator. In this case, it's, uh, it's Moses is the mediator of the covenant between the suzerain, almighty God, and the vassal, which is going to be Israel. Then we have the historical prologue, and that's Deuteronomy 1 and verse 6 through chapter 4 and verse 49. And the historical prologue gives, is the right of the great king, in this case God, to, insert his, to assert his hegemony over his vassals, Israel, and it's based on their past relationship. And here is Israel's journey from Sinai to the plains of Moab is retraced with all its warts intact. Now, we could spend an hour just on this section, so uh, we won't stop there tonight. The stipulations. So um, this is a contract, and you have all these things in the Suzerain Vassal Treaty, the preamble, the historical prologue, the stipulations, and there's other stuff in there. And the lineup with this is Deuteronomy, well, in the, the general stipulations, Deuteronomy 5.1 through 11.32, and then the specific stu stipulations in 12.1 through 26.19. So well over half of the book is devoted to an exposition of the law. The general stipulations spell out relation. What did I do here? So the general stipulations spell out relationships between the parties to the, to the covenant, who the great king is, what he's done, what he will do, and how they are to respond. And then the specific uh, is a continuing enlargement of the covenant regulations. So let me back up just for a second and give you some. I had some notes here on the background I didn't give you. So uh, throughout centuries... Uh, till about the beginning of the 20th century, 
uh, Deuteronomy's usually been considered to consist of a number, usually four sermons or discourses delivered by Moses. And around the beginning of the 20th century was when archaeologists discovered remains from the ancient Hittite kingdom, which was circa the 15th century B.C. And in those records, they found documentation of an ancient treaty format known as the Suzerain Vassal Treaty. A suzerain was the great king. In this case, it's Yahweh, the great king and a covenant initiator. And a vassal would be a lesser king. Uh, and of course, with the Hittites, they had conquered a lot of territory and the great Hittite king would be over a, a captured uh, territory and the local uh, puppet king of that area would be the vassal. In our case here, Israel, the vassal, is the covenant recipient. And uh, the uh, covenant, the treaty involved, that governs the relationship between the two, between God and Israel in this case. Okay. Did I get all of that? So the next piece of a treaty organization would be the deposit and period reading. So it would list the place in the, in the treaty where, where it's supposed to be kept and how often you're required to break this out and, uh, and read it. And then we have witnesses. Uh, proper protocol requires a treaty to be drawn up before and certified by appropriate witnesses. And who do you suppose the witness is to the treaty in this case? That's right, it's God himself. And, uh, oh, look at that, curses and blessings. So, either or, curses and blessings are provided and specified Curses for failure to obey. Blessings for as a reward for uh, loyalty. So the outline I like to use is one that I, I can inter, inter, intertwine these things. So uh, the black is uh, the uh, the... The book outline, so the, it, the introduction, the historical setting of Moses' speeches, and that corresponds to the uh, preamble, introduction of the covenant mediator. And then the first speech by Moses is the historical prologue. And the second speech by Moses is the covenant obligations. The third is the covenant renewal and the declaration of blessings. The fourth is a summary of the covenant demands and then the fifth area in the book of Deuteronomy is a transition from Moses to Joshua. And I call this the change of command where uh, Moses is going to leave the scene. He's going to die and Joshua is going to take over. So the historical prologue. Uh, so you've got uh, the first section. Chapter 1, verse 6 verse chapter, to chapter 3 and 29 which lists the past, and he goes through this in great detail, the, the past dealings of the Lord with, uh, with Israel. 
So it's an exhortation of Moses in 4, 1 through 40, and then a historical interlude in, in, four, in verse 41 through 49. And what that is mainly is establishment of various uh, cities of um, sanctuary. So whizzing through this, so we have the events at Horeb, uh, that's uh, Mount Sinai, 1, 6 through 18. And then uh, the command, in that a command to journey on, 1, 6 through 8. Uh, the incapacity of Moses, I'm not worthy, 1, 9 through 15. Instructions of Moses in 1, 16 through 18. And the instructions at Kadesh Barnea when they got there, 119 through 25, and then disobedience. So he spies. We're going to send spies in, and he told them to send spies in and spy out the land, and they disobeyed. The spies came back and gave a bad report, and they were judged. Uh, basically, y'all go back into the wilderness. You're not going to get in to go in here for a long time. And then they tried to go in anyway without the Lord, and they got whooped. And the balance of the prologue, Deuteronomy 2, uh, basically covers 38 years of the wilderness wanderings until the Exodus generation has, is all dead. So the, de the generation that left Egypt, they have all died, and you got their kids left. Deuteronomy 3 uh, recounts the conquests of Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, in the Transjordan region prior to arrival at the plain of Moab. And Deuteronomy 4, Israel is urged to obey God's law, kind of like the coach encouraging the team before the big game. And then we got the stipulations. This is the next chronological step, and we're going to take a little side trip. Uh, I want to talk about love. Um, In Deuteronomy, we have for the first time, it's not the first mention of love in the Old Testament. It's mentioned many times, but it was the first time that God revealed that, hey, the reason he's doing what he's doing, what motivated him to deal with Israel as he had throughout from the time he picked Abraham up until present day is his love for Israel. Words for love in the Old Testament. Got two of them. First one's ahav. You don't have to worry about the Hebrew notation there. It's ahav. And it means to love or like in all cases. It can be person to person, such as a father, son, a mother, a child, a wife, a husband. It can be God's love. You also have chesed, which means faithfulness, loyalty, steadfast love, loving kindness of God and condescending to the needs of his creatures. And that's the way it's used in Deuteronomy. It's always from God. Okay, so what do we got here? It's bar graph. Shows, let me, so here's Deuteronomy right here, and the word love, ahav, is in there 22 times. That is the third most in all of the Old Testament in which we find the word. The most is, as might not be surprised, is in the book of Psalms with 39 times, and then the next most is in the book of Proverbs at uh, 28. So uh, wisdom books, and then the third most is in the book of Deuteronomy, 22 times. 
We're going to look at the 22 times it's in there, and I'm going to have it in a basically two categories. The first group that we'll talk to, and I'm just I'm going to refer to it as parts, sections of the book of Deuteronomy. The first is has to do with God's love for the people, and they're interspersed in there because they're going to both be there. there will be some instances of the love coming back, but we'll treat that separately. So. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 32 to 40 is the climax of Moses' first address uh, in which he reviewed God's faithfulness to the Israelites. And it was because God loved them that he treated them as he had. And here we have, uh, this is all those verses. Well, here's, uh, I should just read these to you. Indeed, ask how now concerning the former days which were before you since the day that God created men on the earth and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything been done like this great thing or has anything been heard like it? Question mark. Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived? Or has a God tried to take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm and by great terrors? as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know the Lord, He is God. There is no other beside Him. Out of heavens He let you hear His voice to discipline you, and on earth He let you see His great fire. You heard His word from the midst of the fire, because He loved your fathers, and therefore He chose y'all as their descendants after them, and He personally brought you from Egypt by His great power. So this is Moses saying to the second generation after the exodus he loved your fathers they're all gone but he chose their descendants and that's y'all by driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you into and give you their land for an inheritance as it is today note therefore today and take it to your heart that the lord he is god in heaven above and on the earth there is no other so you shall keep his statutes and his commandments while i'm giving you today that it may go well with you and with your children after you, that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. In Deuteronomy 5 through 26, in the second address, which is an explanation of the Mosaic law, Moses explained that God's love motivated his laws. Here are several different passages. In 7, 7, the Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more numbered than any of the other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenants and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. But he repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments, which I am giving you today to do them. In chapter 10, 12 through 17. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? And to keep the Lord's, the Lord's commandments and his statutes, what I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens and the earth and all that is in it. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them. 
And he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples, as it is this day. So circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great and mighty and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. Continuing in, chapter, in verse 18 of chapter 10, he executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. So you show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. He is your praise, he is your God, who has done these great and awesome things for you, which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. In Deuteronomy 23, 3 through 5, some exclusions. No Ammonite or Moabite shall enter the assembly of the Lord. None of their descendants, even to the tenth generation, shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Talking about persons excluded from the assembly. Well, who are the Ammonites and who are the Moabites? Who were the Ammonites and who were the Moabites? They were the sons of Lot through incestuous relationships with his daughters. But that's not why they were banned. They were banned because of verse 4. Because they did not meet you with food and water on the way when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor of, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God was not willing to listen to Balaam. But the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Deuteronomy 33, in his conclusion of the book, Moses records, the conclusion of the book records Moses' blessing of the nation, and again, and he reminded the people of God's love for them. Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 3. Now, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand, there was flashing lightning for them. Indeed, he loves the people. All your holy ones are in your hand. They followed your steps. Everyone receives of your words. Now let's look at how Deuteronomy emphasizes what man's love for God should be and motivates him to obey God. So again, in looking at the center section, uh, chapters uh, 5 through 26, Moses' view of the law, he called on the Israelites to love God. This is familiar to... What did I do? Yeah. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any Ill likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth, beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And now a passage is familiar to us all in Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. The Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This section known as the Shema, verse 4 is the, beginning with verse 4, is the heart of Deuteronomy. That makes it the heart of the heart, given that Deuteronomy is the heart of the Old Testament. In 7.9, Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and His loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. And in chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him and serve the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Chapter 11 and verse 1, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandment. And chapter 11 is a long list of rewards for obedience, uh, as we'll see in the next few slides here. So in 11, 13, and 14, it shall come about, if you listen obediently to my commands, which I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that he will give you rain for your land in its season, the early and late rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. For if you were careful in 20... 22, if you are careful to keep all the commandment which I am commanding you to do today, to love the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Here's a caution. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and that sign or wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that, prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Talking about shunning idolatry here, which we know long term Israel had a big problem doing. Chapter 19, 8 and 9. If the Lord your God enlarges your territory just as he has sworn to your fathers and gives you all the land which he promised to your fathers, if you carefully observe all this commandment which I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways, then you shall add three more cities to yourselves besides the three mentioned. This is talking about the cities of refuge where a person who has committed manslaughter, not murder, but manslaughter, can go to escape the avenger. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, with all your soul, so that you may live. Coming to the end now, they've been given the historical background, all the stipulations of the contract, the blessings, the cursings. It's time now to, as I said here, fish or cut bait. They have a, a binary choice to make, choose life or death. Moses encourages Israel to choose life. Long section here. Uh, I apologize for these. I, I uh, 
these are text boxes that are in here, so I don't... Am, well, if I animated them, it's just going to take us longer to go through them. So here we go. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter it and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. By loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him, for this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So we're back at this slide again. Uh, with the four breakdown of uh, creation to Abraham, Abraham to captivity, captivity to the Exodus, and Exodus to the plains of Moab. And why are we back here? Well, uh, because we're going to take a we're going to take a side trip. Uh, this quick review that we've done of portions of the Book of Deuteronomy is setting us up. For what we're going to do next, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 1 and do about three or four weeks on Genesis 1 through 11, which is the, the, the primeval history of uh, mankind. And we'll cover, the, uh, we'll cover all of the, uh, of the major events of creation, the fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel. And take us through all of that, and we'll do that in some great detail. I'm really looking for, I think I'm starting this coming Sunday, second hour, with that study. So um, you won't have to quite strap your seatbelts on as tightly as we did this evening, because we'll, we'll take our time going through this and, uh, and look at it verse by verse, study it in, uh, in detail. So some takeaways. I want you to take away what we like. God's love for Israel motivates Israel's love for God. You get that? God did what he did to Israel because he loved them. And if they understand and obey, their love for God motivates their response to what he tells them to do. Second point, the heart of the heart of the Old Testament. The heart of the heart of the Old Testament. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Uh, translates, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. Now, I could translate that alone. I could say the Lord is one. And in some, tra I think it may do that still in the New American Standard uh, because uh, literally that's what, uh, that's what the, uh, the Hebrew reads. Uh, I don't think that Moses put that there as is one so that we could use that as an apologetic for uh, the triune Godhead and uh, one God in three persons. Uh, I do think he put that there to say the Lord, period, alone, 
is your God. And so that's why I say it that way. And I think Pastor Dave does too. If he doesn't, I guess I'll hear about it. These words I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when? When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So when is that? All the time. You're sitting in your house or you're walking by the way. You're going to lie down and sleep or you're going to get up. All your activity, you're going to teach and talk to your kids about that stuff so that when they grow up and get out on their own, they don't walk away prayerfully. I had... <laughs> I had another slide, and that's not it. Uh, but you, you figured that out, didn't you? You people are sharp. Anyway, um, let's see if I got that in, and I just didn't get it. Nope, that was it. That was it. Okay. Questions, comments, prayer requests, disagreements? Want to start over again and go slower? All right, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we do indeed love you very much. Because you first loved us and you teach us what love is through the scriptures. We grow to understand who you are and what you are. Jesus prayed in the garden the night before he was arrested and taken away. In part of his prayer, he said, this is eternal life. To know you, Father, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. And so we pray to know you, Father, not just to know about you, not just to learn facts, but to know you intimately. Your Son revealed you in the flesh. When he took on flesh and walked among us in humility before you. As we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can develop Christ-like thinking to think the thoughts that He would think. Father, we trust You for all things. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for all Scripture. We thank You for this brief study and a recap of the book of Deuteronomy this evening. We look forward to future studies because... They are crucial for preparing us to do the work that we have to do, and that is to make disciples. Keep the mission and focus in everything we do. Pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will clear out any wrinkles that I may have thrown into the wrench, into the works. Make the words real to all of us so that we can indeed grow in the preparation to do our work. We ask your blessing now and safety as we depart for home. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Good evening.